time. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and this is actually the earliest recording of the observance of the Lord's Supper that we have in the Bible. 1 Corinthians was really written before the four Gospels. And um, the Apostle Paul is sharing with the church of Corinth about the Lord's Supper, and he's just a tad agitated with them because they are not observing the Lord's Supper as they should. In fact, they were abusing the Lord's Supper, and it had become a cause uh, of controversy and uh, in the way that they were doing this. And so a lot of this was written to correct what was happening in Corinth, but it's very instructive for us. So let's read it, 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen. Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. That's your intention, but you're not doing it. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you, Paul said. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. That is guilty of disrespecting these elements. But let a man examine himself, so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are sick and weak among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the rest I will set in order when I come. Paul was referring to the agape feast, the feast that the church would enjoy together. They met for their main service at the end of the Lord's day, and they would come together and share a common meal, and some of the richer folks would, would get there first, and they would have their contribution to the, um, to the common meal, to the agape feast, they called it. And they would go ahead and eat, and some of those who were poor and didn't have much to contribute would get to the church a little later on where the church was meeting, and everything would be eaten up, and they would have nothing to eat, and they would be embarrassed because of that. 
And in the context of all of this confusion, they were trying to observe the Lord's Supper. And Paul basically said, you're making a mockery of it. You're not observing the Lord's Supper as it should be observed. And it's a very serious thing because many of them were suffering from the judgment of God because of what they were doing. The Lord's Supper is a very important part of the Christian life. And it's a very important part of the life of the local church. If you will notice, five times in this passage that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he spoke of the church coming together to observe the Lord's Supper. It is a church ordinance where the church comes together to observe the Lord's Supper, this very important ceremony in the life of the Christian and in the life of the church. There's not a whole lot new you can say about the Lord's Supper, but quickly this morning, as quickly as I can, I want us to see the looks of the Lord's Supper, L-O-O-K-S, the looks, the five looks of the Lord's Supper. When we come to get together to observe the Lord's Supper, first of all, we are to look back. When we observe the Lord's Supper, we are to look back and we are to remember Jesus. We are to do this in remembrance of Him. We are to look back and remember who Jesus is. We are to look back in remembrance of His life, the life that He lived. We are to look back, and most of all, as we observe the Lord's Supper, we are to remember what He has done. We are especially today, as we observe the Lord's Supper, we are to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made to make our salvation possible and to save us from the penalty of our sin. Paul said that Jesus said, as you observe the Lord's Supper, you are to do this in remembrance or in memorial of me. All across our country, there are memorials. Memorials, places of remembrance built in concrete and wood and stone. And many of these honor the sacrifice of those who have died in defense of the freedom of our nation. These are hallowed places. These are honored places places. These are places that are treated with reverence as they should be, as we honor those who have sacrificed on behalf of our nation and on behalf of others, other generations of America. Well, the Lord's Supper is a memorial. It is not a memorial of stone or concrete or wood or marble but it is a memorial ceremony. Every time we come together as a church, to use Paul's words, every time we come together as a church and we observe the Lord's Supper, we are honoring the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are honoring the sacrifice that he made when he willingly went to the cross and suffered as he suffered 
and died as he died to make our salvation possible. As we observe the Lord's Supper, we are to look back and we are to remember that we are saved, we are Christians, we are children of God, we have a home in heaven, not because of who we are and not because of anything that we have done, but it's all because of Jesus. And it's all because of who he is. And it's all because of what he was willing to do to save us. The Lord's Supper is not about us. The Lord's Supper is about Jesus. And as we observe the Lord's Supper, we are to look back. and We are to focus on Jesus. One of the great values of the Bible is that it helps us to go back and to look and through the words on the page of God's Word to relive in our own hearts and minds the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. One of the great values of great Christian music often is to take us through that mode of worship back to the cross. One of the great hymns of the Christian faith is the hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Listen to the words of this great hymn once again. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss, and I pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God, all the vain things that charm me most. I sacrifice them to his blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet. Sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns, thorns compose so rich a crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing and so divine demands my soul, my life, my all. As we observe the Lord's Supper, let us look back to what Christ has done to save wretches like you and I. The second look of the Lord's Supper is not only the look back, but also the look up. As we observe the Lord's Supper, we should look up to the living Lord Jesus because the same Jesus who died on the cross for our sins arose in victory over death and over the grave. Jesus is alive. He is alive today. He who died rose again. He ascended into heaven. And now through his spirit, the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God, he is in the world today. He is fellowshipping with his people. 
He is walking with every Christian. He is involved in our lives separately and in our lives together, corporately, as a church. Jesus is alive. He walks with me, and he talks with me. He is my living Savior, and he's the Lord of my life. And so as I observe the Lord's Supper, and as you observe the Lord's Supper, let us not just look back, but let's look up to our living Lord. As we observe the Lord's Supper, we should ask ourselves some questions. What is my relationship with Jesus now? What is today, at this moment, at this hour, my relationship with Jesus? Do I love him as much today as I did the day that I gave my life to Christ? Is loving Jesus is serving Jesus, is obeying Jesus the priority of my life, can I truly and honestly say today, at this moment, at this hour, in this place, at this time, that Jesus Christ truly is the Lord of my life? The Lord's Supper requires us. It will, if you will, it makes us examine ourselves. We must be constantly on guard to prevent what Peter said. Peter said, don't forget your salvation. Don't forget that you're saved. We must constantly be on guard against taking our eyes off the Lord Jesus, of taking our relationship with Jesus for granted, of taking our responsibility him for granted. We must constantly be on guard against becoming so entangled and so distracted by the things of this world that we allow the things of this world to become more important to us than our relationship with Christ. The things of this world to take the place that only Jesus should have in our life. Not long after a young couple had brought their newborn baby home from the hospital, the wife walked by the baby's room and she found her husband staring, standing by the crib and seemingly staring at their newborn child. And It was a tender moment. She cherished it and then she quietly slipped into the room and slipped her arms around her husband and she said, oh honey, a penny for your thoughts. Almost choking up, the man answered, I can't believe I got this crib for $39. We have to be careful that we don't get called so caught up in the things of this world that we take our eyes off Jesus and we begin to look at the things of the world. The writer of Hebrews says, let us lay aside every weight. Let us avoid the sin that so easily besets us. And let us run with patience the race that God has set before us. Looking upon Jesus, setting your eyes always upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame, and he is now set at the right hand of the throne of God. As we observe the Lord's Supper today, Let's look back at what Jesus has done. Let's look up to our living Lord 
And let's reaffirm today that he is truly the Lord of our life. And if we need to do business and repentance to our Lord so that he will truly be the Lord of our life, I pray that we'll do it. The third look of the Lord's Supper is to look inward, not only back and not only up, but also inside. Paul says, as we observe the Lord's Supper, we are to examine ourselves. We are to examine ourselves, Paul says, so that we will not observe the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Before we observe the Lord's Supper, we're to look inside. We are to use that detection radar that we have that we often use on others so that we can see their faults and failures. And we are to have the courage to turn that detection sense that we have, discerning sense that we have, where we can spot somebody else's sin 40 miles away, we are to have the courage to turn all of that upon ourselves, And we are to look inside and we are to examine ourselves. We are to ask ourselves, is my life right with God? Am I serving Him faithfully? Is there any kind of unconfessed sin and evil habit that I've allowed to come into my life but I haven't confessed to God and I haven't forsaken? Am I against the command of Christ holding a grudge, harboring ill will, refusing to forgive as Christ has commanded? For a believer to knowingly participate in the Lord's Supper with unconfessed and unrepented of sin in their life is to observe the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Before we take the Lord's Supper, we are to confess our sins. We are to get right with God. We are to clean house. We are to examine every nook and every cranny of our life. And with boldness and courage, we are to tell on ourselves to God and to forsake our sin, to cleanse and purify our life through confession so that we will not observe the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way. Not only are we to look back and we are to look up and we are to look inside, we are also to look around before we observe the Lord's Supper. We are to look around and make sure that we are as right as we can be with others especially with our fellow Christians. Paul begins this passage with a harsh rebuke of the Corinthians. He said, you come together, you say, to observe the Lord's Supper, but Paul says, I got to tell you, it ain't happening. With the way that you are gnawing at one another and you're divided from one another and attacking one another, there's no way in that kind of atmosphere that you can observe the Lord's Supper as God intends. Paul harshly rebukes them for their failure to demonstrate Christ-like love and concern for one another. Basically, what Paul is saying is this. It is impossible for a divided, fractious church to properly observe the Lord's Supper. 
If there's a war going on in a church bat, uh, family and in a church body, that war has to end before the Lord's Supper can properly be observed. He said again in verses 18 and 20, for first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you. And he said, wow, imagine that. <laughs> in part, I believe it. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper. So before we take the Lord's Supper, we're to take a look around and we're to ask ourselves, do I hold anything against anyone? It's hard to forgive. It cuts against our own nature to forgive because we perceive that if we forgive, who's ever harmed us is going to get away with it. And we don't want anyone to get away with hurting us. But the Bible says that we are to forgive as we have been forgiven. Imagine if God said, I'm not going to forgive you. You think I'm going to let you get away with your lying against me? No. You think I'm going to let you get away with whatever sin you've committed against me? No, I'm not going to let you get away with that. You're going to have to pay the price, whatever that price might be. But God freely forgave us. <laughs> even though we were unworthy of that, even though we were undeserving of that. By His grace and by His mercy, He forgave us. And now, He says, we are to forgive others as we have been forgiven. You say, well, it's hard to do that. Welcome to humanity. That's why God has given us the Holy Spirit. That's why God has given us the privilege of prayer. When you find it hard to forgive somebody, you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray until God helps you to forgive. You are tenacious in that pursuit. As we observe the Lord's Supper, we must ask ourselves, am I holding a grudge? Or we are to ask ourselves, is anyone holding a rightful grudge against me? Have I wronged someone and not, seek, and not sought their forgiveness? For us to properly observe the Lord's Supper, we must do everything we can to make things right with one another. Look, we're going to aggravate each other. I've got two brothers and a sister, and I get aggravated at them all the time. But they're my family, and I love them. And I give them the right to be wrong because I love them. And that's the way a church family is. Yeah, we're going to get on one another's nerves. Some of y'all get on Brother Chris's nerves sometimes. Y'all know that? You don't know it. I don't let you know it, but you do. But I still love you, and I love every one of you, and I pray for every one of you. You're all in my heart. When the Apostle Paul said he bears the burden of the churches, I can fully understand what he meant. We are to love one another. For us properly to observe the Lord's Supper, we must do all we can to make things right with others. Jesus himself said in Matthew 5, 23 and 24, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift at the altar first, go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. And you could replace thy gift with the Lord's Supper. Therefore, when you come before the table to observe the Lord's Supper, 
and you remember that someone has something against you before you observe the Lord's Supper. First, go your way and be reconciled to your brother, and then come and observe the Lord's Supper. As we observe the Lord's Supper today, we are to look back and remember Jesus. We are to look upward, remember that he's our living Lord, we are to look inside and examine our own life. We're to look around us to our fellow Christians, those who are around us. And finally, Paul said, we are to look forward. In verse 26, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Part of the observance of the Lord's Supper is to know that one day what we celebrate by symbol one day we will be in the very presence of the one whom we celebrate today. When the Lord Jesus comes, we will no longer depend on symbols for worship because we will be with Jesus himself. The Lord's Supper is a reminder. Jesus will come again. This Jesus who died, this Jesus who rose again, this Jesus who is alive, this Jesus is Lord, God, and King, and the ruler of the universe. And this Jesus is coming again. And so as we celebrate his life and his death and his resurrection and his continued lordship, we also today celebrate the fact that Jesus is coming again. I'm not a prophet, nor am I a son of, the, of a prophet, but here's what I personally believe. I think Jesus is coming soon. I think of every generation who's ever lived, this generation has more reason to believe that Jesus is coming back soon than any other generation that has ever lived in the world. And so as we observe the Lord's Supper, let's look back. Don't you love Jesus? Jesus loved you so much, he died on the cross for you, and it made your salvation possible. Let's look up. He's a living Lord, and let's live for him and love him and serve him and follow him as we should. Let's look inside. Oh, we all get dirty. You remember Peter, when the Lord washed the feet of the disciples? The Lord, Peter said, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And, Peter's, and the Lord said, if I don't wash your feet, you can have no part of me. And Peter said, well, Lord, if that's true, then wash me from head to toe. And the Lord said, no, I don't need to wash you from head to toe. You've already been washed, that is. You've already been saved. You don't need to be saved again, but you do need to be cleansed of your sin. And he washed the feet of Peter. If you've been saved, you don't need to be washed again, but you do need daily cleansing. We do need those times when we just tell the Lord what he already knows of how we've sinned against him. As we observe the Lord's Supper, let's look in, let's look around. Let's love and forgive and care for one another. And let's look forward. <laughs> Jesus is coming soon. And finally, if you're an unsaved person, there's only one kind of look that you can have as we observe the Lord's Supper. And that is the look of repentance and faith as Jesus was lifted up on the cross. You are to look to him, believe in him, 
Believe in what he has done. Accept him as your Savior. Surrender your life to him. The look of repentance and faith and surrender, that's the only look that an unsaved person can have. This is a visible demonstration of what Jesus has done to make your salvation possible. Today, if you're not a Christian, this is an invitation to be saved. This is a proclamation of the Lord's death that his body was broken and his blood was shed to make your salvation possible. This is also a proclamation of this truth, that there is no other way to heaven but by Christ. Do you think if there was another way that you might be saved, other than the death of Christ himself, that the death of Christ would have happened? No. This is the only way. If you've never received Christ as your Savior and Lord, I pray and I encourage you to do so today. And if you need help with that, I'd love to help you with that as well as others here. We're going to have a time of invitation. And you as a Christian, if you need to get right with God, then get right with God before you observe the Lord's Supper. If you need to get right with somebody else, do that. If you're not a Christian and you want to be saved, you can come and be saved today. Christ is alive, and he's the Savior, and he'll save you.